Well, we are turning the tables today where the host, myself, Heather Davies, becomes the guest. Yep, that's right. My special guest, Sarah, who shared her story in our very first episode of the Meniere's Muse podcast back in 2022, returns today to interview me so I can finally share my story with you and celebrate one year of the Meniere's Muse podcast. Yay! Before I continue, I feel I must mention by listening to this podcast, you agree not to use this podcast as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others. It is not a substitute for professional medical advice or consultations with your healthcare professionals. We're here to share stories and give hope. Please consult your own physician for any medication questions or medical issues that you may be having. Our bodies are uniquely ours and something that may work for one person may not necessarily work for you. Yeah, we'll turn the tables. Here we are, like, like coming full circle, right? Like, oh, I know. Was like, almost a year ago. Did we? Yes, February, February 9th is, wait, it, um, I launched the podcast February, I'm sorry, January 31st. And I'm hoping that's when this airs. But yeah, awesome you. And you were my first guest. <laughs> and and I'm so excited because like I'm I'm starting to interview again for my podcast, as yeah. you know, because I interviewed my husband. And so now I'm I I kind of feel like I'm green again and interviewing. <laughs> but it's just a conversation, pretty much, right? Absolutely, that's it. <laughs> just like just a regular conversation. And and also too, like I. I've never, I've never heard your story from start to finish. So this is, I think for me, and then obviously for the listeners, everyone's going to be really excited to really take a deep dive into Heather and li- listen to your deep dive yeah, into your, I've only told it a couple times um, verbally. And it seems like I get real emotional when I, it's getting easier whenever I, I talk about it. Cause I've written it many times, but um so I am warning ahead of time that I do get tearful. <laughs> so, but well, I guess. <laughs> therapy. Yeah, this is, that's why like the podcast is so cathartic, right? Like it's, it's a way to kind of work through this condition that we have, this chronic illness and coming to acceptance. And I think it's, it's important to emote when we need to emote about it. Yeah, for sure. And then this podcast serves as such a wonderful opportunity for people to feel connected and feel like they're part of a community of people who understand and not feel so alone. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you for for doing this. No problem. And I know that, um, I know we were trying to figure out where we met. I know it was social media. There's no other way that we could have met. And I'm so thankful that I found you. And I think our first conversation was like two hours long as I sat on the deck of the boat and we just sat and talked and talked and talked (laughs) and you planted those seeds um, for me. Uh, You planted those seeds back then. I don't know if you know that for the podcast that is now my podcast, Meniere's Muse, but because of your podcast and, and your inspiration. So thank you because it's been a great ride. Oh my gosh. It's been amazing. Like I think our, our relationship has been a divine relationship. It's, it's divinely made. And the, 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 what was it? I'm getting brain fog. It's okay. Oh yes. I was telling somebody else this. You are the first person in all the, all the decades, all of the decades that I've had, (laughs) I've had this condition. You're the first person that I've really developed a friendship with that I really like beyond just our, our compa- compatibility with it. <laughs> with Meniere's. <laughs> with Meniere's. I just think you're such an amazing, um, kind and loving and just very deeply authentic person. Aww. I didn't, I didn't know you before Meniere's. I don't know how much you've changed. So I would, lo- I would love to hear what your life was like before you got Meniere's and then what happened. Yeah. So, um, 
Okay, so my story. Well, um, before before I started having symptoms, my symptoms began in 2016. I was working as a nurse in behavioral health and addictions. Um, I left my job after 18 years, but I'd been there since the early 2000s, and I loved it. And at the time, I had taken a couple different positions throughout, and the most recent was where I visited the chronically mentally ill in the community and would make sure they're taking their meds and living, um, you know, the best they can, and then also being a mentor of some sort so they can live their best life in the community. Because at that time, they had shut down state hospitals. So a lot of our chronically mentally ill were in the communities. So we thought of ourselves as like a hospital without walls. And we would give them their injections, their medications, and it just became part of their family. And um, I had my own caseload. And then I decided to go back to school because I'm an LPN and I wanted to transfer over, do the bridge program to RN. And I've always wanted to do that. So I started taking five classes just dove into it on top of working 40 plus hours a week. And I also ran a fitness club at work um, three to four nights a week. And then of course my home life, taking care of the kids and stuff and my husband. So I had a very heavy load, but I was so used to it. I was just buzzing through life. You know how we, how we do it. The busier we are, the busier we want to be. And um, I thought I had a great life. Um, I just filled it. I, I like to say I had no white space because I look at my calendars back then and I had no white space. I, everything was filled to the minute. And I was sleeping maybe three to five hours a night and that's probably being generous. Yeah, my body was extremely taxed and um, it caught up to me. And I thought, I was, I was sat down one night and I was studying for um, an, one of my classes and I started getting this numbness and tingling on the top of my head and it, it traveled down to my face. And I didn't think anything of it being a nurse. I should have <laughs> should have thought a lot of it, but I'm like, that's stress. I'm just reading, I'm overdoing it. Um, just gonna push through this class and I'm going to bed. So it happened for a couple weeks and I finally called my mother, no other symptoms. I called my mother who is a retired cardiac nurse and she's like, you need to go get this checked out. And I'm like, nah, if it happens again, I'll go. So it happened the next day and I called her and she came to pick me up so my husband could um, watch the kids. And he's not good at hospitals anyway. So she took me to the ER and um, my blood pressure was sky high. So they immediately called the stroke team. And of course, they, that was not what was going on. Um, then they did, and they sent me for two scans, MRI and a CT. And I knew that wasn't right. After I did the first scan and they sent me back for an immediate, another scan. I'm like, what's going on, mom? Because we knew something wasn't right. And they came back and the doctor sat down across from me and said, you have a, a brain tumor. And I said, I'm sorry, what? Yep, I have what they call a meningioma. It's still here. It's um, very small. It's an insignificant finding. It's not causing any symptoms, but it could very well have been the culprit of all my vestibular symptoms, but it wasn't. And um, I left there without an answer. And of course, my anxiety is sky high. And... Um, so I started hitting the pavement, trying to figure out what to do with this. And then all my symptoms started increasing and showing their faces. My tinnitus kicked in, um, vertigo started and didn't stop for six months. It was every day for six months, whether it was just a couple hours or four to six hours, it was just every day. And, um, yeah, were you having, sorry to interrupt, were you having no. attacks? Okay. Yes. Just, I was having just kind of like vertigo. No, they, they weren't, they were floor hugging. It was floor hugging vertigo where I, the only comfort, comfortable place I had was laying down on the floor mm -hmm. and I was just in a, it just felt like I was in a perpetual fall through nothingness. Like I was okay. never ending. Was your and, head really heavy? Um, I had a lot of pressure. Okay. I, only thing I remember being heavy were my legs, my, my legs felt like I was carrying concrete in my pants that my, my legs had no strength, but they were heavy. I don't know if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So I, my daughter was only three at the time. So I, I stopped picking her up. Um, I was an emotional mess. I just went down quickly. When the other symptoms started, I withdrew from school, took a leave of absence from work. Um, 
I just stopped. My whole life just stopped. And it was just filled with doctor's appointments after doctor appointments. Um, my primary care physician was pretty awesome. He was determined to figure out what was going on with me and sent me to numerous doctors that he wasn't, he wasn't comfortable with it, with what they were giving back to him, um, the diagnosis. And some of them just didn't know what, what was going on. And uh, they said it was anxiety. They said, oh, it'll just go away. I did have a history of migraines and I had a history of vertigo. I would have vertigo daily, maybe once every year for the past 10, 12 years. But it was just one day in every year. It was nothing like I experienced. Yeah. Um, so, so we just kept digging and the doctor finally got tired of sending me to all these referrals. And he goes, I'm going to send you to Mayo Clinic. And they have what they call a multidisciplinary clinic where I see multiple different specialties. And then they come together and they get together and figure out what's going on with me. And that's when I was diagnosed with Meniere's disease, vestibular migraine, autosclerosis, and, um, well, I guess the meningioma. Uh, and they kept doing the scans on the meningioma. It's nothing. It was, it hasn't grown. It hasn't done anything. It's teeny tiny. It's just sitting there. And they say most people have them their entire adult lives. So thank goodness it hasn't grown. Um, but that's that. So... What is it? Can you explain the the third thing you were diagnosed with? Because I've never heard of that. Autosclerosis, which is an abnormal bone um, in your ear, middle ear. How do they determine that? I don't know. Some of the testing I did, um, I did all the vestibular testing. Actually, ended up doing it three times because each doctor wanted to do their own testing. You know, the I know the caloric testing, the everything, all that vestibular loveliness. <laughs> Um, so one of the tests that they did to find that, and actually I think it was an MRI because I had so many MRIs back then. And that's one of the, um, findings was the autosclerosis. Um, yeah, actually. And, um, now that I mentioned the hearing loss back when I was having all these symptoms and they said Meniere's, I said Meniere's disease that, but you have to have hearing loss with Meniere's disease. I don't notice any hearing loss. I didn't notice hearing loss, but my, the audio, audiologist report showed hearing loss. So, so that was that. <laughs> so, so that, when, when that all came down, mm -hmm. what was that like for you? It was terrible. I didn't know how to be this person and to have everything that I was doing in life, um, just from busy, busy, busy to just bam, a dead stop. I didn't, I didn't know how to be this person. It was, it was awful. Um, when I say I stopped, I stopped doing everything. I, I stopped living. I just, I just, most of my early days were just crying and, yeah. and laying in bed and just trying to just, just breathing pretty much. Yeah. And, um, and that was like that for a while until my husband had to return to work. And then I, um, I had to take care of Lilash. And like I said, she was three. And I remember her having vertigo and laying down on the floor. And it's just her and I there. And and her, thank goodness, she was a wonderful child and played by herself, just snuggled up next to me with her toys. And um, and other times I've had to put her, when she's more rambunctious, put her in the tub or, you know, guide her into the tub whenever I felt something coming on. So she could play with her toys in there, you know, in a safe spot while I could lay on the floor until it passed. It was, um, it was awful. I didn't, I didn't recognize my body at all. I just, I, it got to a point where I just hid in my room. John would get up in the morning, go take care of the kids. And I would just stay in the dark and not even turn the TV on. I couldn't stand noises, music, um, just the white noise of the TV. I didn't want any of it. I just wanted quiet. And I, I sat there for a while. Yep. I took the meds that they told me to take because I thought that, okay, I'm going to do what they tell me to do. And um, nothing worked back then for me, but I wasn't in a good, I wasn't in a good headspace. Yeah. Um, so when did you, go ahead. Sorry. No, you're fine. Well, I was going to say, um, yeah, no, I'm sorry you were in that place, but I feel like that we 
all of us that do get diagnosed, we do have that period of mourning, of depression, of just deep, deep sadness that we've, you know, we've lost something. Right. It's, like it's, what it's, it is, it's like hard to like really discern. Like, it's like you've lost <laughs> your way of life and, and, uh, and it's, it's no fun way to lose because you're just constantly uncomfortable, especially in the beginning when the symptoms are so brand new. I know you said that you were sensitive to touch. Mm-hmm. It was that, was that something that would that bring on like ear, ear um, symptoms, like inner ear symptoms when you would touch your cheek or your. No, I'll tell you, um, I'll tell you with my head, it was numbness and tingling down my head and my face. Um, I know now that that for me is a sign that whatever I'm doing, I need to stop. Like my stress is getting too high. I I think that is my vestibular migraine, not so much a painful migraine, but it's a warning sign. If I don't stop doing whatever I'm doing at that moment, um, it intensifies and symptoms do come on. I have the fluctuating hearing loss, like the, you know, that, I don't even know how to explain it. Um, and the tinnitus will kick in if I'm if I'm stressed. Um, now, happy stress and bad stress. So it's, yeah. it goes both ways. So I have to kind of keep that even keel. Um, but after I did, uh, I don't even know when I started having some improvement. And the medication was lessening the vertigo. So um, I spoke to my boss. I think it was like three or four months in. And I tried going back to work. And I, I tried and I couldn't, I couldn't drive. So if someone escorted me to my client's homes, but I didn't, I didn't trust myself anymore. I was, I was, my brain fog was so bad. I feared that I was going to harm my patient by medicating them incorrectly. Mm-hmm. So I second guessed, second guessed, triple guessed everything so much so that I made myself crazy. And I'm like, I can't do that. You know, I just, I just can't do it. It's just not worth it. So I had a long talk with my husband and, um, and my boss and they were, they were so wonderful. They tried their best to work with me, put me in the office so I didn't have to go out, but it's still as a nurse, you, you, uh, you need to have that confidence. And I, I lost it just in a matter of months. So, so I, uh, so I stepped away from nursing and, um, yeah, so it's, that's that does suck. I'm I'm so sorry. And then, but you, so you you stepped away from nursing. Oh. <laughs> I told you I cry. <laughs> what? After you said three or four months, you went back to work, gave yeah. it a shot. Yeah, and and then. What happened after that? Did you just kind of go on a sabbatical of work for a period of time or? I did. I, um, I didn't know what the future held. So I applied for disability. Um, I mean, I have to, you know, there's so many little side stories to Meniere's that I just got to get it together. Hold on. Okay. Hey, baby. Will you get me a tissue? You're fine. Um, So, you know, when you, uh, you can't even, oh, thought she's going to come out first. (laughs) When you can't even shower. um, Yeah about tilting your head back and closing your eyes. I mean, my showers went to me putting a towel on the shower floor and sitting on that and just letting the water run over me. And I remember the other days and, and I used to sit there and cry. Um, so as my husband and children didn't see me, that was my place in the shower. Now, um, now, obviously, I, I cry openly. I, oh, my goodness, my eyes. But, um, you know, all those things that came to surface, all those little things that you can't, 
you couldn't do anymore. I couldn't walk down the stairs. We lived in the stilt house. I couldn't walk down the stairs without sitting and scooching my butt down the stairs. One day I did try walking down and right before I got to the end, um, three or four steps up, thank goodness I wasn't holding Lila. I fell down the stairs. Hey baby, you can say hi. Hi, hi Lila. <laughs> That's it's it. good to see you. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And then so the you cottage. Fell down, wait, you uh, fell down, you fell down the stairs? I fell down. It was only three feet up. Um, three, three steps up, thank goodness. And I landed in our little, um, landscaping patch. I didn't, I twisted my ankle, but that's it. That was when I was trying to start walking down the stairs again. And yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Um, my vestibular system was just a wreck and, um, you know, walking in the dark was a joke. It still is today. I don't know about if you have that problem. Can you walk yeah. in the dark? Yeah. I'm like ever holding everything. Yeah. If, if I find a, something pinpoint, like a, a, I don't have these, but like, you know, like those old alarm clocks, like the little light on, if I focus on one light, I can walk in the dark, but if it's dark now, just those little things, you know, thank you, thank you, sweetie. Um, okay, sweetheart. I know she's a doll, <laughs> but yeah, so, I mean, I know you know that there's so many different little stories that just just really mess with your self confidence. And uh, so I, I was I was not me anymore, and I just shut myself down. Um, I I didn't I didn't know what light light ahead for me. I really I remember at one point. Make sure she's okay. Um, laying in bed and just hoping I didn't wake up the next day. You no, know, or things along those lines. I think a lot of us do that. Mm -hmm. but, yeah. I yeah. love life, but not the way I was living. So, yeah. Sucks. It does suck. And <clears throat> I remember, I remember being in that place of like, and I think that's like so important um, for anyone who's listening or watching or trying to understand about Meniere's disease is that especially like people like spouses and, and close friends and family members that like we, it is so excruciatingly uncomfortable physically, but then we have to deal with the emotional component of it. I don't know which is worse because the emotional component is just, it's like complete devastation beyond comprehension. Like what just happened? What? That forever? There's no cure? What? Yep. Nobody can see what's happening to me. So do people believe me? And oh, exactly. That was that was awful because I started to question myself. I'm like, am I making this, this up? Especially after you see a couple doctors and they don't they act like they don't believe what's going on. Um, yeah. So But I think it's so important. Like you you're vulnerable today. I think you know for people to see that that after all these years, you can still get vulnerable about it. It because it is such a huge loss, you know, and going back to that time and sharing about it like I know that when I'm symptomatic when I'm at when I feel the most uncomfortable I tend to get vulnerable like fortunately today I'm not you know I probably look like this normal person without the nurse <laughs> and well, I normally it, do too <laughs> well if you if you know if I was interviewing you no way that's why I couldn't interview you a couple weeks ago because I was just I couldn't even like handle the sound of my voice. I had a, t I had a whisper and like, these are little things that we have to tell, you know, tell my husband, like, can you whisper? Because your voice is really hurting my ears. Right. Like, you know? And so yeah. I think, and, and then once you get over the hump, you know, that you start, it's like, you, you, you want to do so much. You want to, you know, take a deep dive and work really hard in your podcast and do what you can do now with this new life that you've created for that you fought your way to. I want to hug you. Oh, <laughs> so, okay. So 
when did things start to turn around for you, Heather? Like turn around in terms of like, okay, this is my new life. Like this is what I have to learn to live with. And what was your mental state like after, like when did things start to change? Well, it didn't change for a while um, until a friend visited me, which I'm sure you know, you don't get that many visits from friends when, when this happens, people don't understand and they kind of disappear from your life. And, um, but this friend visited me and, um, and I was in the darkness of my room, like I normally was by myself with the TV off, the blinds pulled and everything. And we had, um, a nice conversation. And when she got up to leave, he opened the door and turned around and looked at me and said, Heather, I guess we're going to have to dream another dream. Hmm. And, and then she left and we didn't say anything else that day. And when she closed that door, something switched in me. I first felt like I had been punched in the stomach because I had never, the entire time I was ill, I never thought about our dreams. I mean, I was focused on me and we tend to be that way because we don't understand what's going on. I wasn't thinking outside myself at all, you know? I just wanted to know what was going on with me. So when she left that day, I cried. I was, well, something switched. And I woke up the next day and was like, okay, if I can't do anything about this, if I can't cure this, then I had to figure out how to live with this. And I had to get my butt out of this bed. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't know what that looks like. And um, I, I had to learn to trust myself again. I had to figure out how to love me the way I was and in a sense, more in my previous life. I didn't know how to be the Heather that was not a nurse. I didn't know how to be that outgoing Heather, you know, the impulsive adrenaline junkie Heather. I, I didn't know that person anymore. But I had to figure it out. I, rem um, I remember saying, I'm here, I'm still alive, so I've got to figure out what my purpose is. I don't, I don't know. Still working on that, but <laughs> but it's um you're doing a great job. <laughs> I had to reinvent myself. Yeah. I, I this Heather is not anything like the previous Heather. So I just um well I say that, but there is a lot of me in there, but it's just different, yeah. you know. Um so I just started reading and absorbing and um trying to make changes physically spiritually all i mean everything nutritional nutritional um i started the heal your headache diet try to find my triggers i know some people were don't believe in that but for me i have numerous triggers and nutritional triggers um so i jumped into um i just started reading everything that one of the first books i read was gabby bernstein the universe has your back um so I started stepping towards meditation and yoga after that book. And then um, the Heal Your Headache book. And I just, it didn't happen overnight. And there, the journaling, the symptom journaling and my personal journaling um, was something that became part of my day-to-day -day routine, just like brushing my teeth. And, um, and I still had symptoms, but as I progressed and as I was pouring into myself and trying to fix myself things so that the lesson and, and improve, you know? So, yeah, it's hard, hard journey. Yeah. And you had to do it in the middle of, you know, child rearing. So I yeah, mean, that must've been really, really difficult. It, it's tough. I, I know that, um, I have an amazing support system. My husband's great and he was really good. He did have to return to work and I had to figure out that. Uh, my family stepped up and um, and we just started working it out. Um, I think the biggest thing when my friend left that day, when she told me to, I'd have to dream another dream, I 
never thought of us stepping into our dreams of selling our home and, and buying a sailboat and traveling. It's just never occurred to me because we had, we had dreamed so hard and, um, and learned so much and really fed into that dream that it just was just going to happen. It's just, it's just a matter of time, you know, when the kids got older and, um, something though with, with the illness, because it, with the vestibular symptoms pushed, propelled us forward though, to get myself better and to jump into our dream earlier. Wow. Crazy. I don't, and I what is, what is that dream? <laughs> Oh. Well, we planned on after the boys graduated to to sell our house and and buy a boat and live on a boat and sail away. And then we were surprised with our little blessing, Lila. Um, so so we decided um, not to wait another eighteen years while she, you know, went to school and we waited for her to graduate. We decided to raise her, go ahead and sell our home and buy a boat. And we've been homeschooling her and net right now we're in an RV and traveling. Um, while we're recording this, I'm in Florida. So, and that's where we're from, but so we're visiting friends and family right now, but so we did it, but it was, it took a lot of, look, took a lot of time. I mean, I'm six years since my symptoms and, um, been a lot of work. I've sat in my shadows a long time and tried to figure out what I need to do to move forward, you know, and I'm still working on that every day. It's, it's never, it's never going to go away. It's going to be an ongoing process forever. I think you and I've talked about that, that it's not just something that, okay, I'm fixed or I can deal with these symptoms, keep a minimum. No, I'm, I need to continue working on myself every day to keep them at bay. And, to, yeah. And I remember you told me once that somebody was confused by how you were more comfortable living on a boat. Like you had yeah. less where to go. Yeah. Is it's that crazy. Yeah. Before we did this, before my husband and I did this, cause we thought, well, how am I going to live <laughs> vertigo? How am I going to live on a sailboat? Yeah. So my husband and I went in and talked to my doctor at the time and we mentioned it and he didn't even go and he goes, do it, do it. You may be better on the water. And I'm mm -hmm. like, okay, that's all we need to hear. Let's, let's do it so um we we set a date and we said okay we're gonna sell the house and we're just gonna do it if I can't live on it we'll give it six months if I can't live on the boat then we'll sell it and we'll come back to land and my husband's always been supportive he's always said you know if we can't do this of course you know we don't have to we'll figure out something else and um but we did we parked we sold our home in 2018 I think the end of 2017 into 2018 and we researched um, sailboats and we finally found one in Virginia and we sold 90% of our belongings and moved on to her. And <laughs> it was, it was, it was, um, it was amazing. I mean, it was hard at first getting rid of all the stuff, but now it's, now it's nothing. Now it's like, wow. I don't, I see people buying stuff for their stuff and it's like, I don't miss that. <laughs> I don't oh, miss it at all. Yeah. The, you are like a minimalist. Yeah, absolutely. We figured out quickly and yeah, but, um, it's still, I mean, it's, it hasn't always been, you know, I tell people it hasn't always been sunsets and, and rum runners, you know, it's, um, it's, it's a lot of sweat and it's a lot of work and it's, small house living and you never know where you're going to be. And that's okay. I mean, we, we like that. It's a, it's what works for us, you know, and, um, and it's had its challenges, but living on land has its challenges too. And it's so crazy because um, the couple years that we were out on the water, we met two other people with Meniere's. One of them on a boat, he is fine, but once he steps off the boat, he has to use a cane to walk. So I know it's insane. I'm, you know, I'm not saying all people are like that, but it's, um, it's cool. It's, it's great to be able to live this, this life and do what we want to do. And yeah. Well, I'm going to ask you kind of an obvious uh, question. Hey. The, the answer might be very obvious, but how, since you've made this huge lifestyle change, 
because of the effects of the symptoms on your old life. Mm-hmm. How has that impacted your symptoms today? Like, have they changed? Have they been changing? Do you think they've been, they would have changed regardless of any lifestyle changes? Or do you think moving to onto a boat has helped or not helped? I think I really, it's a great question. I really think, um, just like I had to do a complete overall and everything in my life. Um, I had to do that to move on to a boat as well. And, um, but I think it has given me so much peace and freedom. And that's what I was missing from my previous life. I was Mm -hmm. so caught up in what everybody else, their judgment of me and, um, the approval of other people, um, that, I forgot who I was. And that's one thing that vestibular migraines and veneers has done for me. It has allowed me the permission to say no. And it has taught me to, to be able to say no without regret and um, to really do me and what's up for our family. It, it doesn't matter if people don't get it. This is my life. This is our life. And um, yeah. 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 So it's, I don't don't know if I answered that question, but no, the symptoms are better and um, they're, they're less, but I do have, I have symptoms every day. And, but to me, they're better because I'm a different person. I'm, I'm less reactive than I was before and um, try to find more joyful. And I see things where before I was running past them and never noticing. And uh, that might have to do with a nine-year-old I live with. But, <laughs> but, <laughs> but no, I take that time now and, um, and it really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what everybody thinks I should be doing. Yeah. No. It takes a lot of energy, a lot of mental and emotional energy to be thinking about what other people might be thinking about our own life, life decisions based on chronic illness, um, or for just because it's our own decision, right? For our convictions and our values and whatnot, but it's, um, yeah, I see your life is so admirable. I think it's the hugest form of self-care and, you know, it's hard not to, think about my experience living with Meniere's it's a totally different story and it happened a totally different time period of my life and I think about like how when it happened for you you were able you already had a career you you had you know two children and like a very robust life and it happens smack dab in in the middle of, of all of that. And I wasn't at a place like that. My life was, you know, just kind of beginning. I think like your most recent, um, guest who, who was diagnosed at 18. Right. Um, and I was just, I was 21. And so yeah. my life was beginning. And so the, the, but there's still loss, right? But, you know, you lost what, what your life was like before, but then what you're, what I see you're doing now, what, what, what you've done with your life is so reflective of how you have this inner, uh, what I see in you is this deep love of living and this willingness to do whatever it takes to live comfortably with this condition. And I, and I think that's why we connect so much. Cause I have that. I, I always had, after I got over being really pissed and angry, right. <laughs> acting out, it would be being very, you know, not doing the exact opposite of what the doctor said. Um, but wanting to have a life. Yeah. And, and I think with Meniere's it's, it's can be really hard. It's, 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 it is very hard to to, to kind of fight for your life, fight for how you want to live 
with this condition right? and, and then accepting how it's not always going to look like you want it to look like on any given day. So kind of at the mercy of our condition at times, depending on how severe the symptoms are, but that you were just the, the fact that you're, I know this, I'm, I'm talking way too much. This is your, no, you're fine. You're fine. I just let, I just have so much admiration for how the, the wherewithal you had the change. Like I didn't know, like I said before, I didn't know you before you had it. I just think you're just such a gentle soul that with, that really accepted, okay, this is part of my life. I need to, it's almost like you were connected to your truest, most authentic self. Like, you know, I'm saying that because you said that you were the kind of the keeping up with the Joneses type. I was, yeah, I totally was. Absolutely. Um, and I, I don't miss that at all. It's, I look back and it's like, I missed out on so much of life. I mean, don't get me wrong. I had a very full life, but I was running through it and I wasn't really absorbing it and loving it like I do now. Um, or seeing it as much as I do it now, if that makes any sense. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, um, I don't know. I mean, taking a deep look into yourself when all this is going on and sitting in your shadows and finding your own way through all that, um, through your symptoms um, and the pain and the discomfort of it all, it just, it just, it makes you realize how quickly it can be taken away. Yeah. So it just makes you see life a little bit different and okay, a lot different. And, um, and, and we're not planners anymore. I used to be a planner for everything. And I mean, the only thing I plan these days is literally my interviews, uh, for the podcast. Other than that, we are just fly by your pants kind of people. I mean, we got up this morning. Usually we have Lila's schoolwork comes right away and we're like, wow, the sun's out. Nope. So we're going to the beach this morning. Your schoolwork can wait or whatever. And she's like, no, 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 I want to do my schoolwork beforehand just so she doesn't have to deal with it when we come back. I'm like, okay. So it's like that, you know, and we just, we just go. And, um, and it's just, uh, I mean, it, life's not always easy because I, neither of us work because my husband has some uh, medical issues and, um, I work when I need to, and um, that's one reason we come to Florida is because I can work um, as an, a travel nurse for three to four months, and and that's that suffice that that money will carry us through the year. And it's not like before where it didn't matter what was in the bank; we just kept on buying more stuff. And you know, we needed the new car, we needed the new sofa, we needed a paint job. You know, that stuff doesn't even matter to us anymore. And um. And that's fine if it does for some people, because that's, that's fine. That's your life. This is, this is, we're talking about me. So, um, yeah, I just, um, I'm still trying to figure out this new person and a lot of it is trusting myself more than I ever trusted myself in the past. It's, it's a journey. It's a lot of mirror work, a lot of mirror work. So, Yeah. Well, from where I stand, I think you're doing wonderfully. Thank you. I, I And I get, obviously, how difficult it is the first six years. I mean, I can barely remember the first six years, but I remember doing a lot of crying and a lot of just trying to pretend that it was just, it was hard as, it was just really, it was really, yeah. really hard. The shame and, and guilt that comes with this disease is just. It's yeah, hard, it's hard to get through. And sometimes we backpedal. Was that was that mm -hmm. you I was talking yeah. to about survivor's guilt? Was that you? I, I think we oh, were imposter. Maybe we were talking about like how we were like, did we do something in the past to to have us get this? And was it like trying to fit? I don't know if we were if both know. of our brain dogs are, are activating. <laughs> funny i know i'm not sure i thought i thought it was um i spoke with someone the other day about imposter syndrome and um because it, it you know you can you can get that for so many different 
reasons. And for so long, I, when I started improving, I did not post in the groups. I didn't say anything because I felt because I was healing and so many people were not that maybe I wasn't as sick as I thought I was. So I felt like I was, I felt like I had imposter syndrome. Like I can't tell people that I'm healing because maybe I wasn't as sick as they are. But I'm like, wait a minute, <laughs> just because I'm healing doesn't mean I wasn't sick. I, I mean, I, I, I still have symptoms. So, um, yeah, so that that's the stories we tell ourselves in our heads are so real, and we really have to um, rethink those stories and give yourself some grace. And um, yeah, I think people tend to get stuck on the stories that they they're telling themselves that they they focus so much on the symptoms instead of where they want to be. And I think that's a big thing. I think that's why that was a shift for me was because I had to step out of myself, um, or I was going to have to dream another dream. So instead of focusing on what was going on in my life, I focused on where I wanted to be on those dreams that I built with my family. And that was, that's what propelled me. And so I just kept focusing on that. And I think that people need to focus on where they want to be as far as their symptoms too, whether that's, you know, decreasing their, their tinnitus or, um, or their vertigo attacks or whatever, whatever the case may be. And, um, and trusting yourself. I wanted a doctor to fix me I, from some point. I mean, most of us want a magic pill. And so I took the pills and I listened to them because they knew better until I, until I knew that I was feeling better. And I am, I want to tell the story because um, I trusted my doctor. I referred a lot of people to my doctor and um, I still refer back to his book because it's amazing. But when I went in one day, because I wanted to come off the medication, because I had made so many changes in my life that I felt I wanted to try to come off the diuretics and the, the antidepressants. and everything. I wanted to try to come off because everything had changed in my life except that. And if I couldn't do it, I wouldn't. I would come back on. But I wanted to taper off. And when I went in to talk to him, he laughed at me and said, we're not doing that. And I'm thinking in my head, we're not doing that because... You need to have a team, but he's telling me that we're not doing that. Instead, he increased my medication. My husband wasn't there with me at that doctor's appointment. I went out that day. I didn't say two more words to my doctor. I sat in my car and I cried. And then I said, okay, quit crying. You're going to go home and you're going to talk to John and we're going to come up with a plan. So I came home, spoke with my husband and we said, okay, I know I feel great right now. Even the meds might be the why. And please do no one do this without consulting with your physician. But I knew I was ready. And I, so I slowly tapered off my medication over a couple months. And, I, and I've been off it ever since. But I knew, I knew I was ready because I made all the other changes in my life. Mm -hmm. So um, if, you, if, you can, if you have a doctor that you trust, oh my God, hang on to them. I thought I had found him. So I'm still doctorless, but I'm doing well. So I won't worry about trying to find another one until I need to. <laughs> Knock on wood. <laughs> Knock on wood. Yeah, I'm but, doctorless too. So are you really? Yeah. It's yeah, hard. I've been for a very long time. Yeah, very long time. So, um, well, so let's talk about the, the fun, the fun stuff that you've been yeah. doing. <laughs> as of late as of this past year tell well do the listeners know about how long you were thinking about starting this podcast no fruition? <laughs> no um no I, I don't I, I don't even remember that time but it's been a while since our first talk yeah. and I think that was gosh oh my gosh was it a two or three years at least two years ago yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and you know what, I just said, you know how people make their little resolutions, like um, what my word for the year is or whatever. And I'm like, I'm going to start this podcast by February 1st of last year. And I started it January 31st of last year. And I loved every moment of it. Every guest has been amazing. And I've learned something from every single one. And it's like, I have my own little vestibular family because that's what it is. You know, we're all vestibular sisters and brothers and amazing warriors out there 
you've created this as a part of your new dream that you've created. <laughs> love it. I love it. I've got some some people that we're going to come on next year too, and hopefully I revisit all the other guests that we had this previous year. And I just um, yeah, I invite people that have have these stories to reach out to me because I just love it. We need to hear it. I mean, Instagram is full of um, all kinds of resources now, which you and I didn't have at the beginning. We didn't have those warriors and those stories and um, all the advocacy that's out there now. And um, yeah, it's awesome. It's so awesome. We need to have like a, a, a retreat or something, but <laughs> we can't all be well on the same day. So on the same week. Well, maybe we can have a Zoom, start out with maybe a Zoom retreat or something. <laughs> that's true. It would be a lot of fun. Absolutely. Get to know everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or start small, like little, like depending on how much we can all handle, you know, because um, that would be, a, I would love that. I would love to meet everyone that's been on your podcast. Be great. Such because, the, yeah. And I think I told you before, I think the, the people, like there's, there's people who really, it's just so hard. Having this is so hard that you just, you do kind of curl up in a ball and you do, you do and, um, live a really well and people who have symptoms that are far worse than ours that are, it's just, they have, they have no choice. Right. Um, yeah. and fortunately like you and I, we have choices, even though we do still like we're, we still have Meniere's disease. Yeah. We have choices and, um, you, I mean, I lost my train of thought. That's okay. <laughs> we do that. That's another <laughs> thing, Sarah. You know what? We all do have choices. And I know that one uh, that my, my best, one of my best friends taught me is that when I do get down on myself, like I was explaining yesterday that I was really in a funk. Um, she says, if, if it's all mental and, and you can handle the physical, set a time, whether it's 30 minutes, a, an hour or a day. All right, you can feel like crap today, but tomorrow you need to get up and do something that's going to make yourself feel better and just get out of that funk. Because I find that so many people get stuck and they're just in that stuff of why me that they can't look past it. And I get it. Symptoms vary from pe person to person. Yeah. But man, that mental game is big. It mm -hmm. is big. I agree with you, Heather. I think that's such a great suggestion. And I, I, one thing that, you know, if we're like, even people who are bedridden and I had a day last week where I was, I was in bed, like I could have gotten up, but I just was so tired. And you know how sometimes your limb, like your limbs just feel so weak and you're just like, it's, it can't explain it. So yeah. I was in bed. I didn't fight it. But at some point I was like, you know, it gets, you start to feel just kind of just sad. Yeah. You're sad. And, and you start to think those thoughts, like, Yep. <laughs> well, how, how, like, I'm, it's like, I'm feeling a little bit sorry for myself here. Like, how am I useful in this world? I'm just like this laying prone on my bed, but think this is where I'm grateful for technology where you can flip up the laptop. I go on Reddit now and there's a subreddit for Meniere's disease and you can go and connect with people who have Meniere's disease. And as soon as I start helping other people with Meniere's disease, I start to mentally improve. Right. And it's just, it, it's, it's the, I think the only thing for me that helps when I'm feeling symptomatic, when I'm feeling, I find any way possible where I can help somebody else, you know, and, and get out of my own head. Um, and what you're doing is a huge example of it. <laughs> you do it all the time and you do, I know how you feel amazing because you're interviewing people all the time and you've created this amazing podcast in just one year and you're, it, things are moving forward. Like, uh, I don't know, spoiler alerts here, but <laughs> you know, like just all this, the, all this wonderful all these dreams are yeah. new dreams are occurring for you. Awesome. And I'm 
really, I'm just so happy for you. And Thank you. I, I love that you said that because, you know, um, I think that when you do pour into other people, Sarah, and you know this with your podcast, it not only gives you purpose, but it, it just, it really helps all that negative self-talk. Yeah. Puts it on the back burner and actually just, you know, out of the car completely. I mean, I mean, my life is messy, uh, but I like it that way. And, um, and I do have symptoms daily and yeah, my tears do come easily, but that's always been me. It's not just now. It's just, I allow myself to feel them and yeah. when they come and my symptoms, um, I, I surrender to those like you do when you have to, because I found that when I fought it, I got stuck longer, mm -hmm. you know? And, and they amp up. So I, I love it. I just, I think, I think what you said that I think, yeah, if you're having bad days and you're starting to all that negative self-talk, if there's anyone else you can pour into or lean on and, um, or just reach out to one of us and just, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll support you. It's just, yeah. you know, your vestibular family's there for you. They have bad days, they'll lean on you. And that's what I try to enforce. People are afraid to reach out to certain people, but that's why we build this community. We don't want anybody to feel alone. I love, I'm going to have to check out Reddit. I haven't done that yet. Yeah, I I obviously was, I started using it more for Alcoholics Anonymous. And so right. like I can easily just like every morning I wake up and I'm of service to somebody. Like there's always somebody on there. I'm on day one again, you know, and I can share, I can share. And then I'm like, I close my laptop and I'm like, oh, it's like having my, co well, it's, different than having my coffee but you know it's like right. no. I'm like ready today I've done my I've like you've done I'm your devotions ready. yeah like it's like I love doing that like and that's yeah. why I love doing the podcast because we get to talk but you know it's so uplifting you know to it hear is. stories about and, and yours is similar because like you're we're listening to stories of people who who've overcome we're I don't know if overcome is the word, but we've, uh, yes, we've overcome yes. like that initial, the, the initial grief stricken, like angry, whatever, all those deep, deep emotions that we all experience when we're first diagnosed. And it doesn't matter how long it takes us to get out of that, but right. the of us that kind of go, get over that hump and then we're like, okay, so this is my new life. I want, I'm, I'm going to fight for, for, to live a life that yeah. isn't yeah. what I thought it would look like. Nope. Oh, but that's okay. Yeah. And so when you bring together a group of people who have that same mentality, like the people on your podcast, it's like, I want like there to be like a weekly, like <laughs> Zoom, Zoom, like get together with all of their, your podcast people. Cause I, to me, they, I feel like they've got similar mentalities that, you know, through thick and thin, you know, we know we're going to, we're, we're, we're going to have symptoms. We're going to have shitty days. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, but and we know if there's going to be next day, it could be better. Yeah. And Sarah, it it's, it's not, yeah. yes. And I think a lot of it, I don't think a lot of these people were like this prior to these, prior to these disorders. I think that these have, have pushed them to better themselves and to figure it out. And in that has a lot of self-healing um, yeah. mentally and, you know, and emotionally and, that's one of the things I love. I love them. And I can't say love it because I, I hate and despise my vestibular disorders, but in a crazy way, they have planted all these seeds that of self-healing and it's, it's fantastic because they allow, allow you to move and reinvent yourself. So and that's what it is. It's, uh, you have to hit rock bottom before you can build yourself back up to something new, you know? The way I experienced your story, how I how I kind of see it as, as like a kind of coming home to who you are. And unfortunately you had to go through it really and continue to go through it yeah. kind of uncomfortably. Yeah. And, you know, For sure. of course it's, you know, different every day, but it's like you, you've arrived back to who you are um, and stripped away 90% of all of your- I know, the stuff, the weight. 
Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, so in, in closing, like, what do you, what do you usually do for closing? Um, I do those silly questions. (laughs) Okay. So, okay. Do you want me to ask you a silly question? Ready? Yep. Okay, Heather. Now we're going to ask you questions here. What has living with a vestibular disorder taught you? Um, living with a vestibular disorder has taught me patience with myself. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. Okay. All right. So before we go, I wanted to end with something a little fun. So I have a few whirlwind questions for you. (laughs) When you're ready, fill in the blank. (laughs) Vestibular disorders are? Transformative. You feel your symptoms coming on and you are trying to be brave. What is the first thing you do? Take a deep breath. Yeah. I try to ground myself and take a deep breath. One thing people usually get wrong about you. (laughs) That, um, That I don't have symptoms. I get that a lot. Well, how can you do this if you're, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know that drill. Mm -hmm. That I'm symptom free, which is so far from true. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because I smile doesn't mean I'm symptom free. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Smile and like, get through this day. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So what is your favorite meal? Oh, my favorite meal? Anything Mexican. And now that I'm plant plant-based it's been a challenge especially when going out to eat but more restaurants are you know leaning more towards the vegetarian type so a challenge going out to eat but I love it to me a challenge <laughs> the mm. Mexican does that have a lot of sodium in it though it depends yeah that's if that's why if I we do go out to Mexican I gotta be very cautious but I'm I've been really good lately about I'll just eat um the very bland meals during the day, like we know we're going out to dinner, and then at night, I mean, I'll even, I'll even sometimes have a margarita, and that, with the sugar and salt, can sometimes send me over. So, I have to be really real careful. Depends on how the day is on prior to that. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, sodium's not my friend. <laughs> Got it. Okay, so last show you binged in oh, love. Binged in love. Last show I binged in love. I ask this all the time in my interviews. You would think I would know it. Um, oh my gosh. Dead to me. <laughs> I guess that's the one that comes to mind. Have you seen oh, it? Oh, is that with, no, I think, is that the one with um, Christine Applegate? Yes, Christine Applegate. Yeah. She's so funny. She's quirky. Cute. It's different twist to it. Okay. I started watching it, but since you liked it, I'll probably try. I'll give it another shot. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those that I turned it off the first time. I'm like, oh, this is kind of, oh. but it's it's quirky and silly, and but it's it's got its. Um, good girls is a good one too. It's a little sexy. Okay. <laughs> All right, okay. Um, an activity that completely relaxes you. Hands down, just going to the beach. I. I'm a barefoot girl, so I go to the beach and immediately lose my shoes, and I could just sit on the beach for hours. In the beach or any any anything where there's water, I could just sit there for hours and just be completely content. Yeah. I can identify. Also, all the white noise of the ocean, right? If there is the ocean that you're at. Yeah. What movie could you watch over and over and over and never tire of it? <laughs> oh my goodness. It, uh, there's so many because I'm just a movie nut, but um, the one that comes to mind is The Family Stone. Have you ever seen it? Nope. You have to tell me. It's, it's like a Christmas movie, but it's got so many great stars and it's just a, it's just a good movie. Just a good movie. Sarah Jessica uh-huh. Parker. I think I might know what it is. Yeah. I'll go check it out though. <laughs> Most used tool in your vestibular toolbox. Oh, I like that one. Um, 
honestly, it has been my weighted blanket. Yeah, oh. love it. Um, I first used one right after um, I stayed with a friend or something. I don't even know why. And I'm like, what is with this heavy blanket? But I was just, it was just a, a size just enough to go over your thighs, but I fell in love with it. My mother gave me one for Christmas and I love it. It just me, me, it feels like a big hug. I just love it. Does it help your symptoms? Yes, it does. It actually, I have a, I have, um, I have discomfort in my thighs on a daily basis and it never, st I, it started after my symptoms it has something to do with me wanting to regulate my balance. So I, um, my magnesium helps that, but it really eases the, the thigh discomfort. So, yeah. Oh, wow. Learn something new every day. <laughs> okay. So last question, what are you extremely grateful for right now? Oh gosh. I'm extremely grateful for my family and being able to have the freedom to live like we do. And, it, and then it's working them. I should say, I owe that to the universe because the universe has, you know, allowed that and made space for that. So, so I'm great, grateful for a lot and every day is different, but so, yeah. Thank you so much for doing this. Oh, well, thank you for letting me interview you. I am so grateful for the, having had this opportunity and I'm just so grateful that you're in my life. Oh, thank you, Sarah. Sarah, thank you so much for interviewing me today. I didn't expect all those emotions to come up to surface. Well, then again, <laughs> that is me. Um, that's what this is all about, seeing the real stuff. If you would like to reach out to me, please find my contact information in the show notes. If you would like to reach out to Sarah, please email me and I will connect you with her. If you know anyone with an inspiring vestibular story, I would love to hear it. Also, our community at Meniere's Muse would love to hear it. If you would like more information on vestibular disorders, please visit the Vestibular Disorders Association website at www.vestibular.org. Now, if you could do one more thing for me in celebration of our one-year anniversary, please share this podcast with another vestibular warrior on your social media, whether that's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You just never know who may need to hear this message. Thanks again for being here, warriors. And don't forget, your story may help and inspire someone living with a vestibular disorder. The power of connection is huge. I'll see you next week, warriors. Thank you.